1: Welcome in. This is the Thursday not so deep dive, a thirty to forty minute show where you can learn about the basics of a stock uh, in audio or video form. Uh, so yeah, we're going to talk about Latch today. It's a spec, uh, is a spec with real revenue, and it's one of the most fascinating specs I've seen. I think, and I don't want to make a declarative statement too early. It's probably the best business I've seen out of a spec. We'll get into the valuation I now. Agree. It's the valuation, as you might expect, is a bit high, but we'll get into that later. I'll let Ryan introduce the company, but before we do, do you want to talk our ad, or sorry, presenting sponsor for the week quarter? Um, oh, I guess we should also say that Ian's not joining us this week. He is busy at his work. He's uh burning the midnight oil at the uh, old internship, but he'll be back soon and joining us. So yeah, Ryan, do you want to introduce the company and talk about Quarter?
0: Yeah. I'm looking at Quarter's app right now. I've actually been using it, it's earnings season. So this is the time to have it. I'm going to be using it today for Corsair gaming, they've got it. And the other thing that I like is there's no delay with transcripts. If you're like a transcript reader on conference calls, you have to wait usually. These things are out pretty early, so you can go ahead and listen. 1.25 uh,
1: speed, too, so you don't get the slow operator. You can speed through that stuff. It's great.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's just it's, it's super convenient. It's 100% free. It's on Android. It's on iOS. Go download it. They have companies from all over. There's 12 different markets. You can request companies, and they prioritize those. So you can follow them on Twitter uh, at quarter underscore app. It's Q-U-A-R-T-R. There's no reason not to get it just it's the best place for investor relations yeah. uh, and remember there's
1: no e in it there's no e in it so Correct. it's Q U A R T R. uh no
0: e that's right but i'll get into latch so latch says their mission is to revolutionize the way people experience spaces seems a little over dramatic if uh nah, they're revolutionizing the world but they they essentially sell a combination of hardware and software that helps uh operate residential buildings so their hardware suite consists of like door locks lights temperature control devices cameras for guest access and there might be some others but it's really those are kind of the big ones most people know them for the door lock so latch has the it's kind of if you've lived in a big apartment building you probably have seen these before um and you download the mobile app you open the door with your phone brett you have
1: i use it yeah i'll probably maybe describe some good and bad stuff and anecdotal evidence but yeah you can use your phone you just kind of click on stuff and it's electronically communicated (laughs) communicates with it and you can kind of hold your phone next to it and it does that near what is it called nf i think it's nfc it's almost like bluetooth where it's like you put if you put the mobile device close enough to the door it automatically reads it and unlocks it or locks it for you
0: Right. And then they also sell subscriptions to the Latch OS, which is comprised of a bunch of different modules and customers who are building management teams typically can select which modules they need to fit their building needs. So these modules include smart access. This is basically uh, allowing management teams to control who has access to what doors essentially what rooms, throughout yeah. the entire building because there's you know communal lounges, gyms, stuff like that. And so it's not just each unit. Uh, but then also being able to separate the units, uh, to, in this, to distinct residents, um, and then delivery and guest management. This basically is their intercom system, which sounds like it has video capabilities too. intercom systems. I have a bad one. So this is something that's ripe for disruption.
1: Yeah. My apartment doesn't use it. So that's in module that they do not have, I guess, you know, air view. there's the potential for my building, but uh, yeah, I, I don't have any experience with that one, but sounds like uh, something a lot of buildings would want to use.
0: Yeah. It sounds like you can let people in pretty easily just with the click of a button uh, or with a few clicks in the mobile app. And then they have smart home and sensors. So this is basically just allowing residents and management to control the smart devices throughout the building from their app. So you can like raise the temperature turn on the air conditioning, dim the lights, stuff like that. And then they also have uh, connectivity. This is basically monitoring and providing cellular internet across buildings. And then lastly is resident experience. And this continues to expand, but it's basically what residents get with the Latch app uh, or what they get to see and the capabilities that are included in that. That's opening doors, controlling devices, all that stuff. And then there's also, we're gonna talk about it and it's kind of your future growth opportunity. Uh, is but
1: adding more stuff. Yes, yeah, they're,
0: they're adding more stuff to that progressively. And then in terms of the sales process, they usually connect with management teams and developers early in the building process of like these big residential buildings. And so, one in 10 newly constructed multifamily apartments in the US are equipped with Latch, but they can also retrofit older buildings with their tech. I uh,
1: think 98% or that's, I'm throwing out that number, but almost all of their contracts or with new buildings, at least right now, it's been tougher for them to move into retrofit, but there's plenty of demand for new buildings. Yeah.
0: And then retrofit, uh, if I remember reading it correctly, it has expanded or they've grown the number of buildings that they've retrofitted uh, out of, they're growing across the board, but they've grown that as well. So it's not like it's uh, slowing. It's something they can, I mean, just think about it. It's obviously easier to install it for the first time than to pull out an old system and implement a new one
1: retrofits going to be yeah sounds pretty pricey
0: and then uh since installation timelines can vary hardware bookings result in revenue being recognized over six to 18 months whereas software is often contracted out longer than six years but oftentimes gets paid up front so a lot of management teams are willing to pay this for six straight years or longer uh right up front because they see enough value in it and basically their customer value proposition is that they increase revenue for the buildings because people have better security better management of their units you can charge higher rentals right and they're decreasing the expenses for the management side you know you don't have to do rekeen if you uh if people can't get into the building or whatever it's all uh decentralized so you don't have to be there at the building to help them out. And it just saves a lot of time and effort from the management side. And then uh, I guess a, there isn't too much history about the business, but Luke Schoenfelder, I might be saying that wrong, is the CEO. He co-founded Latch in 2014 with three other people. Luke and one of his co-founders were ex-Apple employees and they brought on- uh, several... huge,
1: huge. That's yeah. it. it's guaranteed to succeed now.
0: And they brought on several other ex-Apple employees along the way. They've had a few funding rounds, uh, including from their new or their now SPAC sponsor, Tishman Spire, who is also a real estate developer. So it's it's interesting that they have sort of been in there because uh, having the right partners in the real estate development process able uh, enables them to have uh, generate more bookings obviously. And then they've uh, also expanded their software modules along the way, hardware suites expanded as well. And it looks like Latch officially went public on June 3rd, so about two months ago. Uh, and they had apparently first considered the SPAC route back in 2019, and they got a bunch of different offers throughout 2020, but decided Tishman Spire was the right way to go with. Uh, that's pretty much all for the history. You want to hit the landscape competition.
1: Yeah, this is a, I, I call it a pesky industry to look at because, you know, doorknobs and key fobs and stuff, they're not like, I don't know, it's not a market that are people really well known. Most of the time, it's just a small expense for a building, but they're trying to make it part of the value proposition of owning a building. And then apartment manager software is not really a well-known market either. So I'm going to go off of their SPAC presentation, total addressable market numbers. Again, you should not take this as what they are going to get. This is just to show an example of the large market opportunity that you know residential real estate and then other areas that they're pushing into could bring them. Uh, So they estimate, and again, this is internal, so they're going to be optimistic that U.S. rental owners and operators represent $54 billion in in TAM, excuse me. And then if you add on Europe and then commercial buildings, which they are both going after for their current growth opportunities, I think they announced commercial recently. And then Europe, they're going into that soon. They don't have an exact date on it, but they're doing that in a partnership with Tishman Spear. It's either Spire or Spear. Is it Spire? Yeah, I heard him say it on the Spire. Interview. Okay, it's Spire. And you can, you know, the TAM going into Europe and commercial buildings will add much more than that, probably $200 billion, something like that. You're not really worried about market saturation here. They are nowhere close to that. Um, once Ryan will go through the earnings numbers. And they base this off of about a 7 to $12 in subscription fees per month per apartment suite. So each, the building is paying, you know, a small amount um for each room but it's still not nothing so you have to they have to show that they're providing value in order for a manager to be willing to pay you know 10 bucks a month per room although from an owner's perspective that's not too high uh competitors are there are a ton and there there's a lot out there so open path and ubiquity networks have stuff for offices and there's tons of others for offices as well we have a small one at the office we're in right now called or something, not Brevo, excuse me, not a good product. Nope. Uh, I'll say Latch, uh, if I'm comparing Latch to the one we have here, Latch is considerably better. Um, There's August Home, there's UniKey, there's Lockatron, which is, uh, there's some weird names. And then there's a tons of others. Most actually aren't directly competing for the larger apartment buildings, um, at least right now. And like August Home and UniKey, seem like the best competitors when looking at online reviews and their website and their offerings uh, but that's just from a quick glance but both of these companies are both more focused on individuals so they're kind of competing they're kind of not um and there are a lot of competitors out there i'm sure i missed some i, I forget the one you have at your building ryan it's called
0: schlog yeah or something like that some I mean, yeah but the, i think that's pretty much just I need a key fob for that. It's not just from the phone.
1: So they're yeah, but they are competing with them. But it's not the same type of product because Latch okay. has a more comprehensive offering. That's really the value proposition is not for the renters, but for the building managers. Um, all right, you want to hit management and ownership?
0: Yeah. So Luke schoenfelder once again apologize if i'm messing up that name is the ceo he's 31 years old like i said ex apple employee and he graduated from georgetown uh thomas meyerhoffer is the chief design officer he was also a co-founder and then garth garth mitchell is the cfo he's held several finance roles in the private realm um he's not a co-founder i think they brought him on and then they also uh, uh the base salaries in 2020 were about 280000 for all the executive team members, but he got a $100,000 bonus. So I believe they must have brought him on and used, I guess, bonuses to incentivize him. And then the average age of executive officers is in the young 30s. thought that was kind of interesting. And then there's two executive officers that own more than 1% of the shares outstanding. So Luke, the CEO, and Brian Jones, who is another co-founder are the two. And assuming redemption of all public shares, Luke will own 4.2% and Brian would own 1.7%. It is, it's a SPAC transaction. I don't know if we've mentioned that yet.
1: I mean, balance sheet, I had to add some stuff up, but they could have burned a lot of cash. I mean, the balance sheet numbers I'm rolling with are estimates. They have not done a 10Q yet. So they were selective in their earnings release.
0: So it's a little, it's also a little hard to gauge total ownership. uh, But uh, there are a few large investors that include Lux Ventures. So that's Josh Wolf's VC. Uh, it's more
1: than just him. It's more than just him.
0: Yeah. yeah, but there is, I believe there's a representative. I don't know if he's on the board of directors, but he's in with the company from Lux. Yeah, yeah, yeah. co-general partner, whatever's going on there.
1: You have to put one person from, You're usually they put one either on the board or as a representative.
0: Yeah, and so they own roughly twelve percent, and then Avenir Latch investors would own thirteen point four percent in that scenario, Uh, and that's just Avenir is just basically, if I'm not mistaken, another VC firm. They try to go for growth companies, uh, private and public, I guess. And then each executive team member, as I said, makes made about two hundred eighty thousand in twenty twenty, but they're moving moving forward. Those base salaries are going to be much higher. I think it's about double. Uh, That's they. I I think they instilled a new. compensation program in 2021. And then the bonuses uh, are paid through a combination of cash and stock awards. Most of the current unexercised options, outstanding belong to the CEO, Luke. Um,
1: That's a bit, I don't like that because if you already have such high ownership, I mean, it's not like a deal breaker, but.
0: I think they were granted in 2016, 2018. Um, I'm not sure, it was kind of hard to judge
1: it's kind of like the Activision Blizzard one where if you already have such a large ownership stake, why are you, you know, getting so many options each year if you already have the incentive to do well because you have the large ownership stake, it's, it's fine, but it's just something I don't really like. And maybe, you know, it, it probably won't affect any sort of way I invest or anything like
0: that, but I just don't like it. It also, I mean, it makes sense for the other executive officers who yes. I believe they brought on yeah. uh, to kind of incentivize them that way. And then, uh, I guess that's really all I had for management and ownership. Just gut, gut reaction to the CEO. It feels like I like him. Uh, I I know he says a lot of I guess visionary stuff like the we're revolutionizing spaces, but he does seem focused. Uh, the way they report financials seems conservative enough in a way, and and what it feels very long term oriented. We'll talk about why that is uh, in yeah. a little bit. Um, but I also think having Tishman Spire as the SPAC sponsor, and I believe still an investor, uh, even post.
1: They'll own, the merger, they'll own. Yeah. They'll uh, own some of the shares post. Uh, I don't know what percentage
0: is. Yeah. I think it's very advantageous to have them. I believe they have a lot of international real estate. It's uh, almost assets. unfair.
1: It's almost unfair to have that advantage. I mean, they're go- I mean you, there's no way their new buildings are not going to get lash products. So right. on, honestly, like a great way to even test out stuff because you won't, you know, Tishman Spears, okay, or what, what is it? Spear? Spire. Spire will not, they're not going to like lose them as a customer if they test something out and then like something goes wrong. You know what I mean? It's almost like a prototype with them, something like that. But that's a little beginning for weeds. I'll hit valuation. Market cap as of recording is about 1.91 billion. Ticker is LTCH. So the SPAC has been finished I guess is how you describe it. So you don't have different
0: terms for those.
1: Yeah. So the merger's done. Um, It's technically like an IPO, and they're you don't have to buy into that cash thing. That you know the spec, how the spec goes, and stuff like that. Um, Enterprise value is about one point four one billion, but they are expected to burn one hundred fifty million to two hundred million in cash over the next few years. So I'm not exactly sure what you would want to use market cap or enterprise value when valuing this company? Because I I don't know, you know, conservatively they may end up burning a lot more cash. So is that really cash available to shareholders? I'm not sure. Um, I'd say
0: booked, booked annual recurring revenue is probably the best, well,
1: I mean, I'm just saying. In ooh, terms of market cap, well, yeah, but I understand that. But market cap or enterprise value? I'm not sure exactly if that enterprise value is taking into into account cash that will be available to shareholders or cash that is going to be invested. So, should you use enterprise value? I'm not so sure. Um, but I'm going to use it <laughs> right now. Uh, forward EV to sales is 28.8, but forward EV to bookings, which Ryan will get into why there's such a big bookings versus sales dynamic for EV to bookings is 4.58. No other valuation metrics are particularly relevant right now because they're highly unprofitable. Um, But, you know, Ryan, when he talks about earnings, we'll get into the margins and stuff like that. Uh, But I would note that they, since they are spec, they've been able to guide out for five years and make some you know, they don't have to be super conservative on their projections. They are guiding for a huge free cash flow inflection in 2023 to 2025 and to hit about 250 million in free cash flow by 2025. Uh, So that's something that's kind of like a north star that investors should look and see if you're owning this company track and see what progress they're making on there. and I guess, yeah, one thing else is to watch the hardware, so software revenues and booking mix because hardware revenue can make margins look worse. But if you're booking a lot of software, that's a lot of high margin revenue coming down the line. Ryan, do you want to talk about earnings and maybe more of those dynamics?
0: Yeah, and so as I kind of mentioned earlier, they're booking these contracts out for a really long time, especially the software ones. It's revenues recognized over six years and sometimes longer, and, but you're taking in or Latch is taking in that cash sometimes completely up front. Uh, and so in the most recent public or their recent quarterly report, they had $6.6 million in revenue, which was growing uh, triple digits year over year, but total bookings for the first quarter was $72 million and that grew 89% year over year. And so they've now, and the, the numbers you really want to pay attention to is cumulatively cumulative booked homes because that's telling you how many new customers they're getting. It's and a
1: proxy for ARR.
0: Right. And then booked. they give booked ARR, which is booked annual recurring revenue. And right now that's at about $39 million, up 120% year over year. And so, yes, there are be times. It's kind of a give and take because the hardware is booked or the hardware is recognized, the revenue from hardware is recognized over the first 18 months, uh, sometimes up to 24 months. And so anytime that they sign a new customer on Latch OS, they're probably installing a lot of hardware as well. And so you're going to see, and especially if they use this SPAC cash to uh, accelerate growth, you're going to see a lot of hardware revenue probably, or hardware bookings recognized. And so it kind of
1: yeah, takes would, a toll
0: on margins. Long term, you want it to all be sort of software.
1: Yeah, that's what they're guiding for, early. at least... They're guiding for that mix to continue to go into the software direction over time. But that's why I mentioned earlier that investors are probably clamoring for some cash flow statements or at least some audited. I mean, they don't even have to be audited, but just some gap cash flow statements to see how the deferred revenue dynamics work. Because I know their bookings definition is probably similar to most bookings definitions, but I wonder how much cash they're actually taking in. And how, you know, because you can book a lot of revenue, but are they, when are they receiving the cash? That's, a, you know, that's a question for me. They do claim some stuff, but, I, you know, in the SPAC presentations, and I'm not saying they're doing this. There's been ways, you know, a lot of people have tricked, tricked yeah. investors into thinking something might be better than it truly is, which is why I really want to see that uh, cash flow statement going forward. This,
0: I guess this isn't super detailed, but the CEO did comment that the majority of customers, choose to pay that six years or that total bookings number upfront. Uh, I, I believe he said that on a Motley Fool interview. And then uh, I guess total cumulative booked homes is roughly at 369,000, which is 109% more than the year prior. So they are going really fast. And then it is, the, you know, like I said, the financials are tricky, but cost between cost of revenue and operating expenses over the last year, they spent $80 million. So, but it's worth remembering that they recognize costs early and revenue late. So it, it really looks misleading. And then yeah, it, they're guess, guiding
1: for 250 million plus in bookings this year. So yeah. look at that versus the cost.
0: And if you take if you take cost of revenue as a percentage of bookings, which is probably not the right way to go about it. The company has 86% gross margins. If you take gr- cost of revenue uh, as a percentage or you take gross profit as a percentage of revenue, it's gonna look negative. Uh,
1: yeah, I feel like you got to meet in the middle of that, kind of look at both numbers.
0: Because they have a lot of installation costs, and I believe that's probably what makes up the majority of their uh, cost of revenue. And then historically, they've spent very little on stock based compensation, but this most recent quarter, they had a $13.8 million non recurring uh, cost with, associated with stock based compensation and then also warrant expenses. That was all due to the SPAC transaction. And then, I, like I said, the most important number to pay attention to is total booked homes and churn.
1: And they claim churn is zero, so yeah. lifetime value. Well, lifetime value is infinite. So this company they've said you know, is worth you know infinite dollars, right? They've said life.
0: they've never churned a customer, and so uh, I guess if people are like, "Why are you booking out for six to ten years?" This just think about the nature. It's a of, minor
1: expense in the whole building process.
0: Yeah, and think about the nature of the business. You don't want to have to change your entire lock system.
1: You're or, not going to.
0: You don't want to retrofit. I mean, you're seeing it with the, their struggles of retrofitting. Even with the legacy systems, it's hard. And so, uh, you if it want works, something that's yeah. really long-term. And I think they're kind of playing into that.
1: If it works, they're not going to churn. Um, and that does bring, like, they claim zero churn. And that's that's good. It's obviously good that, that you want zero churn. But that. If they're talking about, like, lifetime value and stuff like that, you know, I mean, lifetime value of the apartment buildings isn't infinite. Um, but whatever.
0: All right, balance sheet and liquidity.
1: Yeah, so again, I would wait for post-merger stuff because you don't know how much they're burning. Um, At least I couldn't find anything updated when they updated their, uh, what was it, Q1 or Q2 earnings. So pre-merger Latch had 46.5 million in cash, 56 million in convertible notes, which I assume are going to get converted, and then $6 million in term loans. And then post-merger, they will add $450 million in cash to the balance sheet. So that's where I get that approximate $500 million to subtract out to get the enterprise value. And then again, in the latest Q1 results, they did not give an update on the balance sheet. But like most specs, I assume there's no concerns. Liquidity-wise, they will have a ton of cash. And to be honest, they might have more cash than they know what to do with uh, because of the economics of this business. Nothing else much to say there. Yeah. All right, let's hit the ad break. All blocked. Thanks to Advanced Security, included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced Security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. OK, welcome back. Anecdotal evidence. Unfortunately, in the second half, we're not going to have Ian today, so it'll just be us two. It might go a bit quicker, but that's fine. Ryan, do you have any anecdotal evidence here?
0: Uh, n- well, no, not with Latch in particular. I live in a high or er, a large uh, residential Apartment, the kind of business, yeah, the 200, kind of building they'd sell to, two hundred rooms or something. Uh, and I think we could definitely benefit from the latch system. Um, that you're not one in the ten. You weren't one in the ten. I we are not, which is interesting because it, it is a newly built apartment yeah. building. So uh, not sure, but what about you? Do you uh, like it's in
1: it's in my apartment, so I guess I have product experience. It's not really the value proposition is less for the tenants because like. I don't know. It's fine. Like I have a hundred percent success rate. It 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 never breaks. Uh, Do you have
0: any pitfalls with the product? Anything you don't uh,
1: like? I mean, the only thing I don't like is that you have to have your phone everywhere, which it's fine. Um, If you forget it, you're kind of screwed. They have you have a backup key, but you know you're not really using it, so you're not losing it that much compared to a normal place. Um, I like that the parking garage is secured by this thing, so you know it's you know no one's breaking into the parking garage or something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's fine. I think, I believe the packages are all, or sorry, delivery, you know, like Amazon UPS or whatever is all connected to this. I didn't really do much. And I mean, well, I know it's one of the modules, but I I think my building has it where I just get text messages, package arrived. I think that's part of Latch, but uh, I'm not sure that could be something separate. Um, one other thing is that uh well i guess you can see why managers would like it so much
0: uh do you feel like it's invasive at all
1: i mean it's fine i don't know i don't like how you, they can basically track everything from you know so like if you leave the do- if you leave your room they can tell if you walk in stuff so the privacy impacts seem a bit concerning but yeah, i don't I think it's <laughs> i don't think that's gonna matter for it as an investment um as a consumer i guess i don't really like it that much um but i actually, wish they had more stuff through it i wish i paid my rent through it i wish i could do a little bit more stuff in the app it um, might
0: not, we also talked about this earlier it might not be that much of a value add in our sort of area because it's generally pretty safe but in uh, less safe areas this sort of security that people feel like they get probably adds a lot of money to rent
1: yeah i think so I think that, 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 makes sense. Um, besides that, yeah, I mean, simple. I mean, the secure access stuff is key and then adding on new modules seems pretty easy to do. Yeah. yeah. But if they're not going into the new buildings like yours, I think they've lost your building probably forever. You yeah. know what I mean? They're not, I mean, that's a lot of money to refit a building of your size with that stuff. Yeah. So, all right. Future growth opportunities. What do you got, Ryan?
0: Mine's Europe. I know we said no international expansion, but I went, you pretty much took a lot of the ones that I wanted to talk about. Hey, um, yeah,
1: there's com- there's plenty. Yeah, there are all.
0: and commercial. Yeah, that one I I probably could have added that one as well. But they mentioned on the conference call that thanks to the cash they get from the transaction, they'll be better able to fuel expansion into Europe, and they plan to start with a focused approach and leverage their relationship with Tishman Spire, who I believe has a lot of real estate assets and does a lot of business internationally, and so. They said the first stage of expansion, they're going to be going after essentially Germany, France, and the UK. Uh, It feels like a logical step. I I guess get everywhere you can, and especially when you have that relationship with uh, a real estate developer of that size. Uh, Beyond that, commercial is viable. I'm glad they didn't go after commercial first just because of what happened with COVID, Uh, and there probably wasn't that many new commercial buildings going up. I could be wrong on that. But I guess uh, as more and more people come back to the office, assuming that happens, it's a viable. A lot of commercial
1: buildings already have stuff like this, I think.
0: Yeah, this could be a potential vertical moving forward, but I I guess I would prefer residential. And then the other one, and I know you're going to talk about this briefly, but uh, just channeling down all these different service providers into one offering is a huge advantage, not only for the management teams or sorry the, the building management but also the residents because just as a resident i don't like having to go to a bunch of different places to control stuff um and i guess you're going to talk about yeah i'll, talk about, I'll talk
1: about yeah so mine is the onboarding process for new tenants they already do a fairly good job here at least from my personal experience where you download the app and everything's kind of set up for you uh but they talk about how there's a big opportunity for say payment onboarding other stuff security deposits which is pretty antiquated uh you know, you still have to send in those either cashier's checks or whatever. You got to take it and then in at the bank. That's the only time you ever have to go to a bank anymore. Um, in the SPAC presentation, they mentioned they're getting into other services as well. This could mean, you know, utilities, Wi Fi, insurance. I think those are probably the big three, or at least internet, not just Wi Fi, but those are probably the big three that every renter is going to have. I don't think there's anyone right now that's not getting those three. Maybe, maybe not insurance, I guess. But doing those through the mobile application, not only will improve the value proposition for the tenants, because you can just do it all through there. Um, It will improve things for the managers because they won't get as many complaints from tenants trying to get all these things up and running and stuff like that. And then I would think that insurance companies and internet providers would pay Latch good money to get them to be the promoted service within the app. So I think that's a great opportunity for them going forward. We'll see how much that can mean and whether it can help them raise their subscription prices. And we'll see how many people add on that type of stuff. But they said it's coming. It's not out yet. So yeah,
0: I would have loved during my onboarding process to be able to go find my utilities, Wi-Fi providers and renters insurance all from one dashboard, also paying rent, signing the lease, uh, all of that security deposit all from one place that's a huge advantage and so if they're going into that that's something th- those different verticals are, are not verticals those different uh, add-ons to the operating system would be huge for i think residents
1: yeah all right highlights and low lights what do you like ryan what do you not like about this business
0: uh i think it's an exceptional business uh, i think Tremoth may have been right when calling it the stickiest software business he's ever seen I, uh, it's I not believe-
1: sticky because of software though it's sticky because no one's ripping out the doors. That's, I mean, that's why it, he's a bit yeah. misleading there. But wh- whatever, he's right, he's correct.
0: Yeah, but maybe it's also because they provide a lot of. Uh, when we talk about booking out ten years on the Latch OS, I think a lot of that is because people see no reason to churn because yeah. it's a good enough solution. Um, but you're right. I don't think people are people are also doing that because they're probably not hoping to have to churn. Um, And then they've, I guess churn could increase potentially if spaces are torn down or replaced or something like that. So time will tell. I don't know if they'll cling to that no customers ever churned figure forever. Uh, But I also think they're, and this will get into maybe more, more or less interested, but they have a bit of misleading financials to the conservative side. And I think that allows for a bit of price dislocation because
1: Maybe I mean price sometimes to, I that mean, happens
0: with, with bookings in general. Yeah, well, we see it it, with a lot of uh, video game businesses. Yeah, I mean Roblox.
1: I mean people give egregious. They're like, "Oh, it's trading at forty times sales." Like, no, it's actually not. Like, if you looked at, it's it's not because of the the bookings dynamic is so uh, misleading. But I again, I'm curious because I I wonder they don't well, why are they not you know cash flow positive if they're getting all this up front? I mean, I know that they're still going to get the software, but the only thing that concerns me is if you're getting all six years, boom, right away, and then you're recognizing the revenue, but it's not actually money coming in. Is there too much of a good thing there, where you're just blowing all your wad? I mean, yeah, it's great, but if you're not free cash flow positive, this is why I want to investigate a few quarters of of, of financial statements, like the, the the true cash flow stuff.
0: And then they've also had cumulative homes booked has increased 583% over the last two years. So they are investing aggressively and it seems like it's working. Uh, Also, I I guess, I just, I do like the business. Lowlights for me, it feels like they're either undercharging or the contracts are way too long. And maybe they are, to your point, citing that churn figure As sort of a giant highlight, when it's more just the nature of the business.
1: Yeah, how? I mean, if you any of these businesses have zero churn, except for bankruptcies or like buildings go out of out of business, right? I mean, who is who is replacing it? Uh, That's a lot of buildings
0: torn down. Maybe
1: that's what that's what I'm saying. I don't think that's included in churn because that's like, you know, some of the buildings have had to go out of business. But yeah,
0: all right. What uh, what about you?
1: Um, I mean, highlights, it's all it's all great. I mean, margins, cash conversion, I think is good. Although again, uh, I'll repeat myself, you know, when I look at that over a few quarters here, the low churn is great. Uh, there's a strong understanding of what they offer compared to what the competitors offer. I found when I went to Latch's website and through either the app or just kind of investigating what competitors look for. When you go on to Latch, you know what you're getting. It's an all-in-one offering. It works It's secure access, but then add-ons. And then for managers, you can manage things very simple. It increases your efficiency. They really lay that out. But all the other competitors, you're like, "Eh, why do I have this? Is this a security system, blah, blah, blah. Um, And I think the product inserts itself as a win-win-win scenario where owners are saving money, even though they're paying more for Latch. Renters feel better because it's safer and easier to move around the building. Everything's just connected to your mobile phone. And then Latch wins because, you know, they're getting money for this stuff. Um, And lastly, I think the relationship with the SPAC sponsor may almost give them an unfair advantage. So the firm, when I looked it up just briefly, uh, has about estimated 213 million square feet around the globe. I don't know how many rooms that is, but that seems like they're, (laughs) I don't know if they're all going to get retrofitted with Latch stuff, but they're in a relationship where they want to, you know. They're probably gonna do as much as they can there. Low lights, uh, the only thing is, yeah. I mean, how much is too much on early cash conversion? That's yeah.
0: It could be too much of a good thing. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Uh,
1: uh, and then typical spac stuff is the concern. We don't need to highlight that. If you have studied specs, just
0: complexities in the transaction too.
1: Yeah, I always feel like in a spec I'm missing something, which is why you I mean, I think we that's why we have the rule that we don't touch anything. Until we have a few quarters, at least, especially with spec. All right, bull case, bear case, wrap it up. Ryan, what do you think has to go right here for Latch to be a good investment? Uh,
0: I think the bull case is pretty compelling. If their total booked homes continues to expand, it doesn't have to be at 500% every two years, but just they continue to go after more and more new homes that are built. And then they bolt on these new modules to the Latch OS. I think that's a huge part of it. If they can throttle down a bunch of those offerings in or different services that are provided into a single place and not have it be so fragmented. I think that's huge. And I think and it's people, easy to
1: see. I'd love it. I would love it.
0: It's also eventually they can start to charge more for Latch OS. Not only
1: they uh, may have to wait six years though.
0: I also Yeah. But when they do, there's no way people are churning.
1: That's true. I think pricing power is probably, yeah, you're right. Pricing power is probably pretty strong here. Uh,
0: and then if they are able to keep costs r- relatively consistent, at least operating costs, and uh, I guess cost of revenue kind of uh, is susceptible to how much they're installing, but just keeping costs relatively consistent. And then, uh, yeah, I could see a realistic world, a realistic world where they hit 500 million to a billion in booked ARR in the next in, by, by 2020. Nah. I'm not going to make a projection that far out, but I could see a world where they hit that number.
1: Yeah, the the variance seems high. Um, we'll see what kind of trajectory they're going off in the next few years. Uh, but I think that's right. Um, I'm kind of in the similar boat. You kind of got to expect, you know, book units, which is the key leading indicator to software revenue and probably cash flow over time. You, I think if you're an investor in this, you want to see that like 10X over the next five to seven years. And then with really small churn and easy modules to upsell, which would be, you know, more property management stuff, services, delivery. I mean, the most important thing is to just get into the buildings you, unless something is going wrong on the unit economic side, which I don't think it is, that is, that's one of, if you boil this down to say four or five metrics, booked units is probably the most important one to look at first. Yeah, there's other financial stuff that's important too. And then at a low starting point, of current revenue, especially and current bookings, and then you know they're burning money right now. I think you will likely need to get to one billion dollars in software ARR for this to make sense as a long-term investment. Because we're not just thinking about realizing this, you know, currently high or expensive multiple. You're thinking about how do I get an acceptable rate of return from this expensive multiple? It could happen, but you're gonna you're gonna need to see explosive growth. Um, all right, bear case, Ryan. Well, what do you think could go wrong here?
0: Uh well, it might be more competitive than I think. And I think the retrofitting dynamics might I don't like them because it's either in my head, it would either be too costly to retrofit, yeah, uh and not worth the investment, or it's just not as common.
1: They're gonna have to maybe get innovative on how they pitch people, like maybe give them a huge discount or something like that. It's not gonna be as it's clearly not going to be as easy as these new buildings.
0: It's just not as attractive as, and that isn't like the market's large enough in new buildings that I don't think that's a huge problem, but I just don't think retrofitting is that big of a deal for them. Um, Maybe real estate customers are just slow adopters um, and they don't feel like, or they just don't care that much about like maybe what they're offering isn't as big of a deal as I think it is. Um, Yeah.
1: Maybe some good case studies of Big you know, partners, you know, Tishman, uh, showing like a case study on a certain building that see how much money they save using using Latch OS. I mean, that could be great. I'm not telling them how to run their business, but to yeah. get people to see how they're saving money. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I guess mine, valuation is probably the big one that people are talking about. But Without that, I have similar concerns or see any sort of risk kind of in the same light that you are. I think slower moving could be a thing because you are expecting rapid growth here. Um, if any or all of retrofit, commercial, and international is harder than expected, growth may, and it may not matter if all three of those don't work, but I think if those are slower than expected, there could be some headwinds here. The Again, I kind of come back to the US residential real estate market that they're targeting seems quite large, but they're talking about those well, they talk about commercial, and international, big growth opportunities. Retrofit's just kind of a small thing they're doing, I think. Um, but if those three things aren't as promising as they're saying, uh, you know, we could run into issues here. I have no idea if that will happen, though. All right. More or less interested, wrap things up. What are your thoughts on latch going forward? Going on the watch list or not?
0: Yeah, I'm more interested 100%. I don't think the valuation is nearly as expensive as it comes off at first glance, uh, because it's
1: expensive, but not crazy.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Revenue. I mean, revenue is not truly representative of what the kind of cash they're bringing in, uh, on a given year.
1: Yeah. But that, yeah. And that goes back to the big concern if you have six years of cash conversion upfront, and I hope I'm using that term correct, but I think everyone knows what I mean. Why, why are they not, why are they not flow positive? that that's the big hang up for me?
0: Yeah, uh, that's probably a fair concern. I would. I mean, the big thing. There's always going to be like flaws, especially with spacs. I don't think I've come across a perfect spac prospectus in a long time. But I mean, there's no
1: perfect business either, except well, Google. Google maybe, but
0: yeah, mean, there's no perfect business. It, it trying to get down to the usually on an investment like this, it's one or two things that really end up mattering in the big. Grand scheme of things and having minimal churn and tons of pricing power, and having, I guess, a superior product because it's what it sounds like it is. I think that's going to drive returns. I would say this is about 20 times booked ARR multiple. That's high, but not as high as at first glance. I think it makes sense.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. I'm more interested too. It's definitely going on the watch list. We talked about Matterport, and we said that was probably the most promising spec from a business we've seen. I think Latch probably tops it from a business perspective. Um, yeah, I mean the concerns with the SPAC is I'm just going to have to wait a few quarters before making any real. I don't want to say it, like inroads on it, but doing any real research because I got to just check and see if there's any concerns and stuff like that. Really, really see that cash flow. but I'm definitely more interested in this company. It's going on. I watch this. I'll be tracking how they're doing each quarter. Yeah. They'll listen to some conference calls uh, on <laughs> quarter. I think that's they, a good way to wrap things they up. Did, or you have one more thing. They did some
0: conference call or maybe it was a transcript and there were no questions. It took, it was like a three minute read.
1: Mm, they just read off the press release. I yeah. think it yeah. might, it might've be been a stack like thing. Yeah. So, I don't know. <laughs> It's interesting. All right. Stock for next time. And we'll say that we should talk here that the not so deep dives will be moving to Tuesday and we are going to do one a week. We're going to be alternating in the future with Brad one week. Next week will be Ian. Yeah. Next week after that will be Brad flip-flopping with them.
0: Same exact format. We're moving it no, to Tuesday. It'll be Brad next week, Ian the week after.
1: Yeah. I'm just, whatever, All flip-flopping. Right. Uh, okay. But, but, what is the stock going to be
0: for the next time we're with Ian? Okado Group. Mm, what is that? It's a it's like a robotics automation kind of logistics thing for online retailers. I've shown it like a video. Oh, you showed it us a video. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Uh, it's an $18 billion market cap. Uh, I believe it's headquartered in the UK. Pretty interesting business. Sounds sounds asset-like. Yeah, I do Just, I just joking. So, it'll, be but, inter-
1: it'll be interesting. Uh, that should be a fun one. Robot automation stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure be exciting. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you all for listening. Remember that we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on this show is not formal advice or recommendation. Ryan and I are general partners at Arch Capital. Arch Capital clients may hold securities discussed in this podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.